calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Welcome to the serialized audiobook, Ancestor, written by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler, performed by the author. Ancestor is also available in print, ebook, and unabridged audiobook. For links to purchase any version, visit scottsigler.com slash ancestor. Book two, Baffin Island. November 7th. Dream a little dream of me. Stop it, Hans. Her fingers brushed long black hair out of her eyes. The hair fell back, slowly, almost floated into place, and she pushed it away again. Her small hands seemed to move of their own accord, grabbing, stitching, sewing. Stop it, Hans, she wanted to say, but she couldn't speak. She could only watch. It was wrong. It was dangerous. It was what she deserved, deserved for being bad. A dulled sense of dread filled her mind, a metallic gray cloud of doom. Her hands held a fuzzy, stuffed, black-and-white panda. But her favorite toy wasn't exactly the way she remembered. It was the panda's body, all right, but it had no arms, no legs, and no head. The possessed hands reached down and came up with the orange and black arm of a stuffed tiger, fabric torn where it had once joined at the shoulder, white fluff hanging out in long strands. Liu Jandan's hands began sewing. The needle flashed again and again. The tiger arm joined the body. She felt a pinprick of pain. Jean looked at the possessed hand. A rivulet of blood trailed down her tiny, chubby finger. The droplet pulled in the joint between her fingers, then fell onto the panda body, staining the fuzzy white fur. Fear sent a wash of tingles over her skin, like a billion bites from a billion carnivorous bacteria. Her small body shivered. Her hand reached down again. This time, it brought up a long, dangly, gray and white leg from a sock monkey. The needle flashed. More stings. Possessed hands fixed the leg to the panda body, now black and white marked with thin red streaks. Xiaoting, Xie Lai, she managed to say finally. Stop it, hands. But the hands ignored her. Why had she spoken Mandarin? She used it so rarely now. But no, that wasn't right, because she was five years old and it was the only language she had ever known. A lion's tawny leg. More pain. More blood. A pinkish arm from a plastic baby doll. More pain. More blood. Xiao Ting, she lie, she said. 
tears filling her eyes. Ching Ting, she lie. Stop it, Hans. Please, stop it. The hands ignored her. They reached down again, but this time they didn't find fake fur or plastic. This time, they came up with something cold and solid. A small, severed head. Greasy black fur streaked with wet blood. Wide mouth, dead black eyes. Nothing like this had ever lived, nor would it. Not unless someone created it. Jan started to sob. The hands kept sewing. The vid phone let out its unignorable, shrill blare. P.J. Colding jerked awake. He squinted at the glowing red clock set in the vid phone's base. 6.14 a.m. The time was bad enough, but it also showed the date. November 7th. Fuck. He had hoped to sleep most of this day away. He slowly reached out and clicked the connect button. Gunther Jones's tired, melancholy face appeared on the flat panel display. The guy's big lips and sleepy eyes always made him look high. She's at it again, Gunther said, his voice sounding only marginally more awake than Colding's. Fifty-two years old and she has nightmares like a little kid. Nothing she can do about it, Gun. Cut the lady some slack. Give me the live feed to her room. Maybe it's not that bad this time. Gunther looked down, hands seeking buttons somewhere off screen. He usually worked the night shift watch. Ensconced in the security room, he monitored two dozen cameras that covered the barren area surrounding Janata's Baffin Island facility, the oversized hangar that housed the cows and vehicles, and the main building's hallways and labs. The main building's eight apartments also had cameras, but those were deactivated on Colding's orders. John's room was the exception. Her cameras were always on. Gunther spent most of his shift writing crazy vampire romance novels, but always kept a close eye on Jian. That was the man's main shift responsibility, really, to make sure Jian didn't try and kill herself. The vid phone picture changed from Gunther's face to a high-angle black-and-white image. An overweight woman tossing and turning on her bed, heavy black hair covering much of her face. Colding could see her lips moving, see the look of fear on her face. There would be no going back to sleep this time. Okay, Gun, I'll go take care of her. He hit the disconnect button, and the screen went black. Colding slid out of bed, his bare feet hitting the frigid floor. No matter how high they turned up the temperature, the floor remained perpetually ice cold. He stepped into his ratty flip-flops, pulled on a robe, and slid a small earpiece onto his left ear. He tapped the earpiece once, turning it on. Gunther, radio check. Got you, boss. Okay, on my way. Holler if she comes out of it before I get there. Colding left his Beretta in the nightstand drawer. No need for the gun. He headed for Jeanne's. Her bleeding fingers had turned the panda from black and white to black and red. Panda body. Tiger arm. Sock monkey leg. Lion leg. Plastic baby doll arm. And the black head with a mouth full of pointy teeth. Her possessed hands held the strange creation, a misshapen, mismatched Dr. Seuss Frankenstein. Not again, 
Jian's little girl voice whispered, Please, not again. She begged, but like watching a familiar old rerun, she knew what would come next. She started screaming a moment too early, just before the black eyes fluttered open and looked right at her. Primitive, unfeeling, but clearly hungry. Something shook her, shook her. The hodgepodge stuffed animal opened its mouth and seemed to smile. The devil's smile. Mismatched arms, baby doll plastic pink and tiger stripe orange and black, reached up and out for her. Just as the creature opened its mouth to bite, that something shook her even harder. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Colding gently shook John one more time. She blinked awake, the expression of terror still fixed on her confused face. Sweat and tears matted her silky black hair against her skin. Jan, it's okay. He'd watched this woman for two years, tried to help her both because it was his job and because she had become his good friend. For Jan, some days were better than others. The bad days hurt Colding, made him feel incompetent and powerless. He always reminded himself, however, that she was still alive, and that was really something. She tried to kill herself twice. He'd personally stopped both attempts. John blinked once more, perhaps trying to see through the hair, then threw her arms around Colding in a crushing hug. He returned the hug, patting her fears away, as if she were his daughter and not twenty years his senior. I have dream again, Mr. Colding. It's okay, Colding said. He felt her tears on his neck and shoulder. Jan called every man Mr., although with her thick accent, it always sounded like Mista, He'd never been able to convince her to call him by his first name. It's okay, John. Why don't you see if you can get back to sleep? She pulled away from him and wiped tears with the back of her hand. No, she said. No sleep. Jan, come on, just try. I know you haven't slept more than six hours in the past three days. No. Can't you at least try? No. She turned and slid out from under the covers, surprisingly graceful for a woman who carried 250 pounds and a 5'6 frame. Colding realized too late that she wasn't wearing any pajama bottoms. He turned away, embarrassed, but Jan didn't seem to notice. As long as I up, I get some work done, she said. We have another immune response test this morning. Colding rubbed his eyes, partially because it kept him from looking like he was trying not to look. 
he stared at the familiar chessboard sitting on her dresser. She'd beaten him 97 times in a row, but who was counting? Her bottle of medication sat next to the chessboard. A clear strip running down the bottle side let him see how much fluid remained. Across the strip, written in neat black letters, were dates in descending order. November 1st on top, November 30th on the bottom. The fluid leveled out at November 7th. Yes, I am taking my meds, Jan said. I may be crazy, but I am not stupid. But was she taking them? Things had been getting worse, her nightmares growing in frequency and intensity. Don't say that about yourself, Jian. I don't think you're crazy. You also do not think you are handsome, Jian said. This proves your judgment is questionable. The zip of a pan zipper told him it was okay to look her way once again. She was pulling on a Hawaiian shirt, lime green with yellow azaleas, over her sweat-stained white t-shirt. Heavy black hair still hung wetly in front of her face, but through that hair, he could see the dark rings under her bloodshot, haunted eyes. She walked to her bizarre computer desk, sat down, and switched on the power. Seven flat-panel monitors flared, coating her in a whitish glare. The setup surrounded her in a semicircle of screens. Three down at desk level, the side monitors angled in. Four monitors in the row above that, slanted down and around her, so she actually had to turn her head from left to right to see them all. Colding put the medicine bottle back and walked over to the computer station. All seven screens showed flowing strings of the letters A, G, T, and C. Sometimes the letters themselves were in different colors. Sometimes bright hues lit up long strings, sometimes both. To Colding, it looked like multicolored digital puke. The immune response was the hurdle that the scientific trinity of Janata's geniuses, Klaus Ruhmkorff, Erica Hole, and Jian, simply couldn't surpass. It was the last big theoretical hurdle that stood between Janata and saving hundreds of thousands of lives every year. Now that Jian was awake, she'd prep for the test, or, more likely, prepare for yet another failure and the resultant wrath of Dr. Klaus Rumkorf. You need anything? Colding asked. Jian shook her head, her attention already fixed on one of the big monitors. Colding knew from experience that she probably wouldn't register another word he said. Without looking away from the scrolling letters, Jian opened a small dorm room fridge that sat under her desk and pulled out a bottle of Dr. Pepper. Her hand shook a little as she opened it and took a long drink. Well, I guess I'm off to bed, Colding said. Holler if you need anything, okay? Jian grunted, but Colding didn't know if it was a reaction to him or to a piece of data. He'd almost made it out of the room when she stopped him. Mr. Colding. He turned. Jian pointed to one of the computer screens. I see the date is November 7th, she said. I am sorry. I wish I had known her. Tears welled up instantly. He swallowed against the knot in his throat, clenched his teeth against the pain in his chest. Thank you, he said. Jean nodded, then turned back to her multi-monitor array. Colding left before she could see him cry. Three years to the day since Clarissa had died. Sometimes it seemed like a tick of the clock, like he'd kissed her just yesterday. Other times, he had trouble remembering what she looked like, as if he'd never really known her at all. At all times, though, every minute of every day, 
The ache of her absence hung on him like an anchor. He pretended to cough, giving him an excuse to wipe at his eyes in case Gunther was watching him on the hall cams. Colding walked toward his room. The research facility still reminded him of a school building. Cinder block walls painted a neutral gray, speckled tile floor, fire extinguishers paired with fire axes in each hall. There were even little handles with the words, pull here, mounted shoulder high, although those weren't for the fire alarm. They would close the airlocks tight in case of any viral contamination. Colding reached his room and shut himself inside. All secure, Gunn. I like the part where she said she's not stupid, Gunther said. The understatement of the century. Tell me about it. Get back to bed, boss. I'll keep an eye on her. Colding nodded even though he was alone in his room. No way he'd get back to sleep. Not today. Besides, Jean's dreams were getting worse. The last two times that had happened, she'd started hallucinating a few weeks later, then finally tried to kill herself. For her most recent attempt, she'd locked herself in a bathroom and filled it with nitrogen gas. Her assistant, Tim Feely, realized what she was doing and called for help. Colding had broken in far ahead of the proverbial nick of time, but how close she came to success wasn't the point. The pattern was the thing. Nightmares, then hallucinations, then a suicide attempt. Doc Roomkorf had already adjusted John's meds, but who knew if that would work? Colding had to report this. Klaus Roomkorf was brilliant. Erica Hole was a legend. But without Liu Jandan, the project simply ceased to exist. November 7th, even fucking colder. Shoulder slump, Colding walked into the secure communications office and sat down at the desk. He'd put on his clothes for the day, jeans and snow pants, snow boots, and a big black down jacket embroidered with a red Janata G above the left breast. Wouldn't do to talk to his boss while wearing a bathrobe. This terminal was the facility's only way to call in or out. It connected to a single location, Janata's headquarters, outside of Leaf Rapids, Manitoba. A Janata logo screensaver spun on the monitor. Colding hit the spacebar. The computer was designed to do only one thing, so the logo vanished and the connection process began. Right now, Dante's cell phone was ringing a special ring, telling him to get to his own secure terminal. Colding waited patiently, wondering how to phrase his message. In just over two minutes, Dante's smiling face appeared. Good morning, PJ. How's the weather? Colding forced a grin at the hackneyed joke. On Baffin Island, latitude 65 degrees, there were only two temperatures. Fucking cold and even fucking colder. Not that bad, sir. Mind you, I don't go outside much, but at least everything's working great in the facility. Dante nodded. Colding had learned long ago that his boss always liked to hear something positive, a process Colding referred to as giving a little sugar. He couldn't blame Dante's need. If Colding had spent nearly half a billion dollars on a project, he'd want to hear some good news as well. Dante Paglione's skin held the rich tan of a man who can afford a private spa even in the deepest, darkest isolation of Manitoba. His thick, raven-black hair looked like he just stepped out of some Hollywood hairdresser's chair 
and his bright white grin looked like it had put an orthodontist kid through college. The crazy big jaw featured prominently in caricatures and political cartoons. This was the face of a billion-dollar biotech company, the face that kept investors pumped up and enthused. I was just about to call you, Dante said. We've acquired some additional mammalian genomes. Valentine is flying them out as we speak. He should be landing at your facility in about 30 minutes. Make sure you're ready for him. I need him back right away. Consider it done, Colding said. Dante leaned towards the camera, only slightly, an expectant look on his face. So, since you called me, I'm assuming you have good news about the latest immune response test? They're starting it now, Colding said. We won't know for a few hours. It has to work this time. Has to. If not, I think it's time to bring in more people. Top-level people. Colding shook his head. I still strongly recommend against that. We're secure right now. You bring in more people, you open the door to a CIA plant. But we have background checks. We can... Let it go, Dante, Colding interrupted, not wanting to have this conversation yet again. You hired me for this reason. We're a lean operation. Four scientists, four security people, and that's all we need. Clearly, that's not all we need, Dante said, his face morphing into a narrow-eyed snarl. I know this team. I saved this project once, remember? Dante sat back, took in a big breath, then let it out. Yes, PJ, you did save the project. Fine. So if you're not calling me with good news, you must be calling me with bad. It's John. She's... she's having nightmares again. I want to let you know. As bad as before? Colding shook his head. No. At least not yet. What's Roomcorp say? He's adjusting her meds. Doesn't think it's a major problem, and he's sure we can control it. Dante nodded, the muscles of his big jaw twitching a little. That old woman drives me crazy. No wonder the Chinese dished her off like that. What a prick. Dished her off? Dante had all but begged the Chinese for permission to add Gian to the Janata staff. Come on, Dante, you know we got the better of that deal. It's only a good deal if she makes it happen and we turn a profit. And if she doesn't, a lot of people are going to die miserable deaths. I'm more than familiar with the consequences of failure, Dante. Dante's scowl softened a little. Of course, PJ, my apologies. But we can't keep funding this bottomless pit forever. Our investor demands results. Call me if anything else comes up. Yes, sir, Colding said, then broke the connection. The spinning Janata logo returned. Janata had many investors, but only one that actually worried Dante. The Chinese government. For Dante to snap like that, the Chinese had to be pushing for a return on their significant, if covert, investment. And that meant time was running out. You have been listening to Ancestor by Scott Sigler. Performed by the author. Produced by Empty Set Entertainment. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics. And sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot button issues. 
and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.